Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. The matchups. The superstars. The games. Starting defense. Place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Hour two of two here on Football Sunday. Hater Leather coming up at 1030. But I want to get into a little college foosball here as the official start of college football did happen yesterday. I did not get a huge chance to watch those games. I flipped on Miami, Florida for a tiny bit and, and I followed along but couldn't watch the Arizona Hawaii game last night. But the big thing to me from yesterday, at least for those of us here in the Pacific Northwest and in Oregon, is that Arizona lost to Hawaii last night. It was a good game. It was a good game. From what I saw on Twitter, it was a crazy game. I think the thing that happened the uh, that was the weirdest was that there was three straight penalties on a field goal attempt that pushed it from like a 38-yarder to a 53-yarder, and the Arizona kicker still hit the field goal, which was pretty awesome. But... And Khalil Tate apparently tackled one yard short of the game-tying touchdown at the very end of the game when they were down by seven points. Hawaii won 45-38 over Arizona. Another bad start to Kevin Sumlin's second year now in uh, Tucson. But to me, the thought that I had about this, and we were going into this game going, for Oregon State fans, you get a chance to see what kind of team Hawaii is because you play them in week two. And I think... After watching that yesterday, Beaver fans should be a little bit more nervous than they were beforehand about getting a win in that game. Two and a half wins over under for the season for the Beavs. You had the Cal Poly and Hawaii games outside of the Oklahoma State game, which is next Friday or this Friday, I should say. And you were hoping that if you won those two non-conference games, you could steal a Pac-12 game somewhere here or there. And then you could get over that two and a half win mark and, and have a decent little season for trying to continue to build the program. But after watching that game yesterday or, or, or seeing the the stats and the talk about it, I'm not sure Oregon State fans should feel as confident about beating Hawaii. And then that makes me really nervous about the year going in for the Bees. Man, so Hawaii. They always has, do this. They always have these offenses. Yeah, like they, they're they always going to have, and you just said it, they're always going to have an offense that puts up 70 points a game, you know, for the most part. We saw with, uh, with, uh, Colt Brennan, I think he came. Remember, it was some years ago. That was a while ago. And yeah. he was just set the world on fire at Hawaii. And I think I can't remember who the quarterback was the year before that, but they were good even then. 
uh, at all. It was almost kind of pre-Oregon as far as um, the the way they moved the ball and the, the offense they had, and it was all about the quarterback having they played 400 the, yards They played the game. run and shoot back in the yes, day, right? Yes, you know, so, yeah. man, this is this is a little disappointing, you know, because, number one, this is the first test for the Pac-12. It's not even a test. This is the first game for the Pac-12. Arizona had, you know, all the hopes of everybody in the Pac-12, you know, on their shoulders to go in there and beat Hawaii in week zero. And they, I mean, they tried to make it competitive, you know, and, you know, towards the, you know, halftime, it was, it was, it was pretty, you know, well, no, not pretty competitive, but it was, you know, Arizona never led the game at any point there. Everything, everything was playing catch up, you know, at that point. So what I was following, they were chasing the entire game. Hawaii was up fairly big early and then Arizona had to try to come back and they just couldn't complete the comeback. So, I mean, Cole McDonald, is. this year's quarterback, by the way, 378 yards, four touchdowns and 41 passes also through four picks. That's probably why Arizona was able to stay in the game to be fair. And they have a receiver, Cedric bird, the second 14 catches, 224 yards, four touchdowns. It's pretty good. That is uh that's great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Right? And if you're an Oregon state fan, you know, the weakness of your team is defense. And I think that is a giant red flag going into that week two game against Hawaii. Now, this is all just hypothetical. We haven't seen the Beavs play yet this year. We will see it on Friday, granted, against a, a likely pretty good Oklahoma State team. So it'll be interesting to see how they do against that and see just how many strides the defense has taken. I don't think anybody's truly worried about Oregon State's offense. You're worried about the defense because last year it was absolutely dreadful. And Oklahoma State and Hawaii with that kind of offense back-to-back games to start the year is going to be a good test. Gonna no, be a good, it's going to be a great test. To see if they've improved it all. More than anything, I think what this does, not just for Oregon State, I think it's just put a lot of additional pressure on the Ducks because the Pac-12 just went out there and came up short to Hawaii. Now, Hawaii is not a football powerhouse by any means. You know, not a basketball house powerhouse either. But Hawaii knows how to put up points. A lot of times they don't know how to stop anybody from getting points as well. So... Arizona to fall short, you know, Kevin Sumlin to continue to fall short at um in, in Arizona, it's it's pretty sad. Now the Ducks have to turn around and go out there and with a depleted wide receiver core and try to win this game in Texas against Auburn. So I think this is gonna be big, not just for, you know, for Oregon, but for the Pac twelve, because the, the narrative has already started that here it is that Hawaii has just beaten a Pac twelve team. Granted, not exactly the best Pac-12 Not exactly team. the best one, but still a team that I think with Kevin Sumlin, people kind of expect to be better Well, and with Khalil were. Tate, who yes. is, in some people's minds, the third best quarterback in the conference, then... You're supposed to be better. You're supposed to be, supposed to be way better. So that is really disappointing for if you're a Pac-12 fan. And you're right, and we're going to get to it here in a second, but that Oregon-Auburn game for the national perception means that much more. Um, it won't say if Oregon wins, it won't save any sort of image or anything, but it, it at least stops the complete and utter spiral nationally of the Pac 12's image, right? It's not like, oh, Oregon beat Auburn, all of a sudden the Pac 12 is amazing. It's, oh, hey, cool, Oregon beat Auburn, and good, Oregon might be, be on the up and up again. But <laughs> there, the Pac 12 needs to do a lot more to, to improve that national image. And for this Oregon Auburn game, and I'll be real, I think Oregon's supposed to win this game. Like, well, or, I mean, I'm, honestly, like, think, think Vegas about this. Vegas has Auburn as the favorite. They have Auburn at the favorite because so technically Auburn's S- supposed to win. SEC. But for me, like if you whenever you have the best offensive line and you have the best quarterback, you have the chance to win. And easily, Oregon's offensive line is top three in the country, maybe number one in the country. Oregon's quarterback is easily top three in the country, probably maybe number one. 
in the country. People, some people will say Trevor Lawrence. Okay, I or get Tua. it. Yeah. Or Tua, you know, but I wouldn't. I would probably say Justin Herbert, but I understand why those other guys uh, would be mentioned before him. So, yeah, I think the Ducks have a, a, a lot to prove, and I think they, you know, they should win this game, considering that they – that's the, those are the two – for sure, more than anything, those are the two advantages the Ducks have over Auburn, offensive line quarterback. All right, well, let's get to that next and also take a a, a look at the first week slate coming up on from Thursday through uh, Monday this coming week, actually. Next, here on Football Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 1017 here on your Sunday morning, about 45 minutes left. If you missed any of the show and you want to hear it, uh, we talked to Andrew Luck at length in the first hour. Also did a little fantasy football. You can find it at the Les Schwab Tires podcast on 1080thefan.com and the radio.com app after the show has gone vital. That's weird to say. Let's get into a little college football coming up as uh, we just talked a little bit about this past weekend's games and how what it means for Oregon State playing Hawaii in week two. Let's take a quick turn to the Oregon-Auburn game, which is coming up on Saturday this coming week, which is just fantastic to say. I'm time, baby. It is the 430 ABC College Game Day game of the week on Saturday. And you said last segment you think Oregon should be the favorite to win. Now Vegas has Auburn as the favorite. Um to me, my biggest concern for the Ducks is the wide receiver position. Micah Pittman's injury, where he's going to miss probably the first four or so weeks of the season, could not come at a worse time. And then transfer from Penn State, Juwan Johnson went down with what is being called cramps or calf strain or something. They're saying he's going to be ready, but there's still some uncertainty about how full strength he's going to be for week one. If you want to start on the negative side, that's my concern is the wide receiver depth for the Ducks is very, very slim right now. And that was the biggest position of weakness for Oregon last year because the drops were just nuts. And you already lost a couple of guys, and your biggest addition, transfer-wise, is ailing at the moment. You're going to need your wide receivers to make some plays to beat Auburn. It's just that simple. Auburn is a good team. Yes, they might be starting a true freshman quarterback, which is an advantage to the Ducks. His first game is going to be in a massive game. Bo Nix is his name. Fantastic name, by the way. Awesome. But – um. You need that wide receiver core to step up, and you hope that Johnson is healthy enough to play, which I think he's going to be, and you hope that some of the other guys who are there, like Jalen Red, are going to be able to step up and, and have better games than they were they showed to us last year because that is going to be key. No, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be key. Uh, the one thing I like that uh, Cristobal has done, he's, he's while he's recruited a big offensive line, he's went pretty big on the defense too. Like, you don't see the same kind of slim fit you know, defensive lineman that you've been used to seeing from the Ducks. You know, you look at just somebody like Thibodeau, who is a video game player. You know, if you if you look at his body and how he's built, man. So uh, that's always been the advantage over the Pac-12 if you're the SEC or even if you're the ACC or the Big Ten is the fact that your guys are just bigger than anybody from the Pac-12. And so when you play anybody from Pac-12, you just kind of push them around. I think that's something that uh, it's going to start with the defense. You know, I'm, I'm going to put a lot of – I think we banged on Arroyo enough, you know, as the offensive coordinator. I think the defense is really where we have to see the Ducks kind of take that step forward and stop teams from scoring. Like, we saw it last year. Like, they just couldn't stop the bleeding when somebody wanted to run. And it wasn't just 
we're just talking about Stanford. You know, we're talking about the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. You know, we're getting 300 yards a game on the ground against the Ducks. These front, these the front three, front four for the Ducks have to be huge. The cornerbacks for um, the, the Ducks have to be good. Like that's the I, I put, I'm putting more emphasis on defense in this game. I'm not so much concerned. And we talked about this last segment. I'm not so much concerned about the Ducks offense. I, I think it's I think it's going I think to you come. should be concerned about the Ducks offense. I think I'm, I'm concerned with the receiving core. Yeah, well, you I'm, should be I'm concerned about Marcus Arroyo coming back as your play caller and hoping that he has something better. Again, up, up again, I'm not as hard on Arroyo. They they were second in, in scoring last year in the Pac-12. Like I get it. Like they weren't they weren't great. They weren't the 72 point a game Ducks that we're used to seeing. But that's not the team that they have anymore. They don't have that offensive line that that, that can they're not can't sprint, but are going to sprint out and just. Uh, make big hits down the field because everybody's super athletic. You don't see a spread offense here anymore, so you're not going to get that 72 points a game. So I think when you when you see that and then you go to a normal 42 points or a normal 35 points, people look at that and say, clearly not as good. But again, second in scoring in the Pac-12, and the Pac-12 scoring is what they do more than any other conference. Man, quarterback play is what they do in the Pac-12, and he was second. So I'm not so much concerned with the offense. My biggest concern for the Ducks is – the defense, because I think if the defense plays better, you're looking at a Royal and saying, what a great offensive mind that is because you've just beat a team 35-7, 35-10. I also do think, to counter my own point, if I want to play devil's advocate, Mario Cristobal is building a run-first football team here with the Ducks. Now, obviously, he wants to still keep a bit of the Ducks brand in there, which is the fast speed and the kind of the quick trigger offense, but he's built what is, I think, the best offensive line in the country. Well, he hasn't built it. He's partially built it. Some of it is left over from previous coaches. But currently, the Ducks have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Mario Cristobal, unsurprisingly, was an offensive lineman, was an offensive line coach. So he kind of knows what he wants in that position. And you've got now a a decent returning uh, running back group. Remember, C.J. Verdell last year was a freshman. So you're going to hopefully see a lot more improvement from him at running back. Travis Dye is also a sophomore now. So you're going to see a lot, a lot more improvement. I think from those two running backs where you saw some weaknesses at times last year, uh, defensively to, to your point, I'm not that worried about the defense, to be honest with you. Uh, you've got a, a ton of experience in the secondary. You've got Thomas Graham jr. Again, as a junior returning to start at cornerback, you've got Diamador Lenore, although he's going to be now new quote-unquote, because he hasn't played a ton for the Ducks yet, was a huge recruit. He's going to be starting. You've got Nick Pickett back as a starting safety. Uh, you've got Brady Breeze up there, who's been there for a couple of years now, former Jesuit guy, who's going to be playing pretty heavy minutes in the secondary, rotating in and out, as they always do. They rotate the defense a lot down at Oregon. Your line is really good. You've got Jordan Scott still there. You mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau. Hopefully he's able to pan out. Lamar Winston is still there, obviously, who's a, a senior now, uh, funny enough. It's crazy how fast that went for him. Really fast, right? Troy Dye obviously still there as well as one of the linebackers as a senior. So I'm not that worried about the defense. I think the defense, now that you're, you are you have a less unsettled defensive coordinator position, I think you're going to be uh, okay. And that's – I think you're going to see that against Auburn, especially against a freshman quarterback. I think you're going to see the defense play just fine. No. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overly concerned about that. I'm, I mean, I'm again, I, I think the Ducks should win the game. Like, so I'm not really overly – concerned with the defense either but I think if there was one point of concern I'd have for the Ducks uh you mentioned the wide receiver core that's kind of a problem you know who's Justin Herbert going to throw the ball to but I'm I think they'll figure that part out you know I'm more so concerned with how are they going to stop these big bodies from getting up the field 
How are they? Are, are they just gonna be? Hey, Jordan Scott's the biggest body of them all. He is. He's a big dude. He's a he's a huge dude. You know. So I I'm just worried about like, are they gonna be? Because once once teams like Auburn or whomever the Ducks are playing, once they get rolling and get really confident running the ball, they don't go away from it and they just keep kind of stuffing it down your throat. And that's what I want to make sure the Ducks are able to do: get in there, stand in stand in there, and make sure they don't get pushed around by a bigger team. And and historically bigger. I don't know what they're going to look like once they actually get on the field with each other, but just considering how well Cristobal and his staff have recruited and looking at the size difference from, let's just go back to Chip Kelly's Oregon Ducks and this, all the, you're looking at a lot of sleek, slim you know, guys, even on the offensive line, that are able to move and really a lot of speed. Now you don't see as much speed. You don't see as much game-breaking uh, talent like that, but you do see a lot of girth and a lot of guys that are just bigger. So I think that's you know the difference. You know girth is more team. important anyway. Uh, that's, what, that's what I've been told. By the way, here's the offensive line. Just want to read it because saying it is so fun. Calvin Throckmorton, redshirt senior. Dallas Warmack, redshirt senior. Jake Hansen, redshirt senior. Shane Lemieux, redshirt senior. And the sophomore, Penny Sewell. That offensive line is so good. And Penny Sewell is probably the best, and he's the sophomore, which is super, super exciting, I think, if you're a Ducks fan. And the depth is decent, too, because you've got Brady Aiello, who's a redshirt senior, who's one of the backups. And you've got Alex Forsythe, who is highly regarded local kid from Westland, redshirt sophomore now, who's going to be backing up on the offensive line. Uh, you saw George Moore play last year. He was a senior who transferred there, and he, got, he played and, and played well. So you've got a ton of depth and a ton of obviously amazing starters on that offensive line. I'm very excited to see what Mario Cristobal does with that line. Quickly before we go, just wanted to take a look at week one in general coming up. Thursday is the first day of week one. Not a ton of great games that day, but you can watch UCLA play Cincinnati, 4 o'clock on ESPN. Tight. That's a Pac-12 game, and it is against a real team, not an FCS team. You're also going to see Utah BYU that night, 7:15. So uh, that is good. And Clemson Georgia Tech is actually that day as well. A conference game in Week One is very strange to me, but ACC game on the ACC Network in Week Number One. That Friday, obviously, you get Oregon State Oklahoma State, which we talked about, 7:30 on Fox Sports One. Uh, that's about the only real sexy game that day. You also will see Colorado and Colorado State if that matters to you. Uh, we talked about Oregon Auburn is the big game at 4:30, uh, but you also have some other decent games on week one uh sunday you've got oklahoma houston and monday you've got notre dame louisville so that's going to be pretty interesting uh you got usc against fresno state week one you have duke and alabama that's not exciting right what do you I, mean i skipped over that intentionally that's not very exciting <laughs> what do you mean so you're not excited for liberty and syracuse well i am excited for liberty and syracuse but that's my team i'm not an alabama fan i'm not a duke fan <laughs> just saying. Uh, but yeah, it's not a super great schedule for the first week. You know, a lot of kind of eh, cupcakey kind of games, and that's fine. But you'll find some good games in there as well. If you just keep an eye on the scoreboard, you can find some close ones. And obviously, you can watch a lot of the Pac 12 teams play as well. So, college football officially has started, and we get into the thick of things starting Thursday this week with a couple of good Pac 12 games to get into. Can't wait. Can't wait, as Bart Scott would say. Coming up next, let's do hate it or love it. Rashad won last week. Rashad won last week. So I Rashad see won the I last make... five weeks, just to put All it out right. there. Rashad won last week. We're going to go ahead and see if I can change that. First, Jesse S. Ford.
Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. We've got it. Oh, it's solved. We have, we have just about had a problem. Rashad almost, well, he didn't almost fall, but he almost dropped the chair backwards well, completely and broke it into nine million pieces. Well, these the, these dang headphone cords are so long and they get caught in the, the wheels of the rolling chair. And you're trying to, I was just trying to fix it because once it gets all tangled up, I just want to make it okay for Cam. You, know, <laughs> you just have that moment. I don't want OS, Cam to, OS, I don't want, OS, yeah, OS, yes, OS. oh my God, Cam's going to be so pissed. So yeah, I don't want to mess things up for him. All right, that music means it's time for Hate It or Love It. Rashad's won one or five weeks in a row, depending on what you say. So uh, we'll see if I can steal the crown back, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Rashad's been pretty good at this lately. What do you got for us today, Jesse? A lot of, a lot of NFL, I imagine? Yeah, it's going to be NFL dominant. Um, early kind of mostly based around the um, kind of crazy news that's come out in the last 24 hours. We'll start in Houston. Houston, obviously, uh, lost... Lamar Miller, a key cog to that offense. He's been a guy that's been getting 200-plus touches um, every season since he's been in Houston. He's been a true workhorse for him. And they did go out and get Duke Johnson Jr. about 10 days ago, roughly, um, uh, back, who's kind of got all the skill sets but has also dealt with injuries in his career and has never really dealt with a heavy workload either. Love or hate? The Houston Texans, after losing Lamar Miller, will make a play for Melvin Gordon. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I mean, love. Uh, why not? I, I didn't even think about that as an option, but I'm sure they'll make a play for Melvin Gordon. I don't think the Chargers will trade Melvin Gordon. I think the Chargers are going to call Melvin Gordon's bluff and say, look, we, we've got some decent running backs to play for you until you decide to come back. You know, Austin Eckler was great last year when Melvin Gordon went down for a couple of games. So I don't think that the Chargers will trade him, but the Texans should go after any other running back because I don't think Duke Johnson is the guy to be the number one back. I think Duke Johnson is a great complimentary back to have in an offense. I think he's a guy who catches passes really, really well, but we've seen him be the number one in Cleveland and he has not been the best regular running back rushing up the middle. Uh, he's much better going to the outside and using his speed and his hands to his advantage. And I think that we're going to compliment Lamar Miller, who is much better as a regular runner with Duke Johnson. And now they're going to be stuck putting him in the middle. So they'll look to get that guy, that Melvin Gordon style back. Uh, maybe they wish they kept Deontay Foreman now <laughs> instead of cutting him because they didn't like his personality. But he just got released with a torn bicep on a uh, medical oh, release. Right. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't have played anyway, but they probably would have wanted him at some point. Right. And uh, I don't think Duke Johnson is going to be that guy. So, love. They'll, they'll go after someone like Melvin Gordon. Just doesn't mean they're going to get him. Uh, man, Lynch couldn't have said it better. Love. Uh, Melvin Gordon, of course, I think most teams are going to go after a guy like Melvin Gordon if they do have an opportunity to kind of uh, pick somebody that good up off of, you know, from a trade. You know, if they have Austin Eckler, not as good as Melvin Gordon, but I think they have more to work with if they were to trade uh, Melvin Gordon from the from the Chargers. Uh, I totally agree. The whole reason that this was going to work out well for the Texans is because uh, Duke Johnson is the antithesis of Lamar Miller. While Lamar Miller is great, you know what I'm saying, going up the gut and, you know, really great, kind of more of a power runner, uh, here it is. Duke Johnson is great, you know, catching the ball. He's great out of the backfield. You can line him up as a slot or something like that and see kind of what hap can happen from there. So him not being there changes everything that I think Coach O'Brien and the Texans had set up for the year. How is that going to look now for Deshaun Watson? Because you know Lamar Miller's not catching balls out of the backfield. So I don't know if you're necessarily going to go out and get 
that guy, but I think going out there and getting another power runner that can be something like Lamar Miller, I think another another Melvin Gordon, there's only two or three of those in the NFL. So it's it's hard to come across those guys. But I think it's easier to, to come across uh, somebody that's more the speed of a Lamar Miller, and this way they wouldn't have to break the bank for, to get somebody like that either. This text says Carlos Hyde from the Chiefs. He's yeah. not going to be the starting running back. Damian Williams will. And at this point, Carlos Hyde wouldn't need to. Carlos Hyde just because he could be – Splitting reps at this point in his career is exactly where he should be. I think Carlos Hyde's going to get cut. I think they can pull, pick him off the waiver wire. Well, honestly. There you go. Yeah, that might no, be where he goes. I mean, it, yeah, but I mean, Carlos Hyde, Melvin Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah no, that, that's a significant uh, drop off there in in talent and well, ability. I mean, and that's right the there. thing. And that's the thing. Whenever you're talking about Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. Ezekiel Elliott, anything else after that is a major drop-off. Like, everything else. There's some good guys out there, some really good running backs. Lamar Miller is a serviceable, more than serviceable running back. He's a mid-tier running back. Yeah, but but those guys are the top three, four running backs in the league, and then there's everyone else. I don't mean to make this a discussion, but are we vaulting Melvin Gordon's, like, up there a little bit too much? Last year was the first year he had real true production as a yards per carry guy before he was just a volume guy that was doing it like 3.5 four yards a carry are we saying he's better than he is or is he really that good i think he is just below the top tier i think he's at the top of the second tier of running backs right now the top tier is saquon barkley christian mccaffrey alvin kamara ezekiel elliott that's probably it yeah that's it i'm not going to count todd Gurley because of his knees uh so second tier, I think he's near the top of the second tier. I think he's, I think he's still underrated, despite the fact that it was volume based early in his career. So yeah, I, I think, think he's that. Good. I think it's a little bit of, I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's some of the Chargers being the Chargers for as long as, as, as they've been. Mind you, last year was the first year the Chargers didn't charger it, and they didn't do what they what they've usually done and just kind of let it go. They've been, we talked about it all the time. They've been really competitive right there, but for whatever reason, just couldn't get it together, man. Be it injuries, be it just bonehead plays at the end. And I think Melvin Gordon's kind of been a part of that. But his second year when he was really good, he didn't have a touchdown his first year. Second year, almost 1,000 yards, 13 games that he played and had 10 touchdowns. The following year, over 1,000 yards, had eight touchdowns. This year, just under 1,000 yards in 12 games and still had 10 touchdowns. Like, he's doing in, in three years, he's amassed 28 touchdowns after having none his first year. So, yeah, I think he's right there with all those other guys. Maybe he's like towards, the, towards the end of the first tier, beginning of the second tier, but Melvin Gordon is one of those dudes that's right there. All right, and Indy uh, obviously lost Andrew Luck to retirement. They're going to turn to Jacoby Brissett, commonly thought as one of the better backups in the league, but still kind of a backup caliber guy. Meanwhile, um, you know, you have guys like T.Y. Hilton and uh, Devin Funchess on the outside and um, it, just a lot of pieces oh, yeah, to work with. Marlon Mack, top. I forgot I drafted Funches. <laughs> right? It, I mean, you got, um, you got the, one of the top Doyle. offensive lines there and Jack Doyle. And uh, you just got a lot of pieces to work with. Uh, but that said, your quarterback position is now not quite what it was. Love or hate, Indy will be a 500 team this year. Oh, love or worse, 500 or worse. They're oh, going to be around there. I think I think Jacoby Brissett is probably one of the top two or three backup quarterbacks in the NFL. So this in some cases, happened to the best team it could, Andrew Luck retiring, because Brissett's pretty solid. But last year, or two years ago, excuse me, Brissett played 15 games, or 16 games, and started 15 of them because Andrew Luck was coming back from his injury. 13 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, only completed 58% of his passes. That's not very good, right? I think the Colts are going to stick with Brissett as their starter this year. They're not going to get somebody else to be the starting quarterback. Brissett's going to be the guy. 
and he's shown flashes of being really good, but when you look at the stats, it's not that exciting. Remember when he came in the year for the Patriots after both Brady and Garoppolo got hurt? Did a serviceable enough job, but he actually didn't even throw a touchdown that year, and he started two games and played in three of them. He didn't throw a touchdown. So people are excited about him because... There's a history of him starting games, but I'm a little nervous about him being able to be a good enough starter to get them above 500. So I'm, I'm, I'll say low. Uh, I'm going to hate it just because uh, I'm looking at the first few games of the Colts season. And while it's not impossible because you like the Colts roster, but without Andrew Luck, you wonder about exactly how much you're able to do with some of those guys on the outside. You know, your first game is at uh, at the Chargers, you know, and the Chargers are, man, a, a really good AFC team. You know, that's going to be a tough game. And then your third game is you got uh, Atlanta, then Oakland, then Kansas City, by then Houston. Like, that's a that's a pretty, you know, rough stretch of quarterbacks to go in there and try to face. So I don't know if he's going to be able to, because, again, he's not Andrew Luck. He doesn't have the arm strength of Andrew Luck. He doesn't have the accuracy. Uh, but he is a guy, a serviceable guy that I think, man, t- his teammates are going to follow. But is he going to be able to go in there and beat Phillip Rivers? Is he going to be able to go in there and beat Matt uh, Matt Ryan and then beat uh, Patrick Mahomes and then beat uh, Deshaun Watson and then go out there and beat that defense in Denver? Like, and then beat uh, – and then go from there and, and, and beat Ben Roethlisberger and company. Like, that's a lot – to ask, you know, from a guy who's just kind of taking over for Andrew Luck. So uh, I, don't, I think 500 is asking a lot. You know, that's eight games on the season that they're going to win. I'm looking at more like five or six. All right. So both you guys kind of uninspired by Jacoby Brissett. You can see possibly a losing season out of this. So if they had gonna... a bit different defense, then I would probably say something. Well, they have one like, of the best linebackers in the yeah, league who was the... rookie last year, Darius mm-hmm, Leonard. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they have things that are surrounding Darius Leonard, like then they can be a dominant defense, then Jacoby wouldn't have to work as hard. But the also, fact is they don't right now. Interesting text. Worst case scenario for the Colts, Jacoby is good enough to go nine and seven and they don't get a high draft pick. Yeah. Okay. All right. So transition into the next question. Okay. Jacoby's not playing very good. The team's not playing very good. You kind of see maybe a high draft pick on the horizon. And you got this guy who you picked up off the trash heap here in the off season and Chad Kelly, who's tearing up the preseason love or hate. You will see Chad Kelly this year under center for the Colts. Chad Kelly, the one from the Broncos. Yeah. And the Colts. And he is tearing up preseason. Airing it up. Oh, I don't know. I mean, you'll see him if Jacoby Brissett gets hurt. I don't know if you're going to see him start for the Colts this year. So I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, like, it's really, really, really tough for those third string guys to break through in the NFL. They, they have such a disadvantage because coaches just look at them as a place placeholder. They look at them as a scout team quarterback. They look at them as a practice squad shuttling guy because you only hold two quarterbacks in your roster now of course he will be quarterback number two most likely so he will be on the team learning but i think the colts what they're going to do is i think that text is right they might be too good to get Tua or justin herbert this year unless they trade up for that pick i think they're going to keep Brissett out there because they need to know what they have in jacoby Brissett, or else they're going to move in a completely different direction so injuries aside i think you'll see Brissett start the entire year for the Colts because they need to know if he's going to be their guy moving forward in the future. And it sucks for the Colts because now they're the next team that's stuck in quarterback purgatory, which we've seen a lot for a lot of teams. And uh, it's really hard to get out of, but you got to be steady and make a good decision. If you keep flip-flopping quarterbacks, it's always way harder to make that decision. So I'm going to say hate. Who in the hell is Chad Kelly? <laughs> Jesse's favorite. He, Jesse loves Chad Kelly. Well, I don't. 
And so, uh, I don't know, man. I, I've, I've, I don't know much about this young man. I'll be honest. I'm not even going to sit here and lie and say, yeah, Chad Kelly's really been – I've never seen him throw the ball once. I haven't watched any preseason from the Colts, so I couldn't tell you about uh, how he plays. What I can tell you is you're in an AFC South that is still very winnable. Like, I said they'd win five or six games. Man, would it shock me if they won nine? Not really because that division – isn't the greatest in in football, but it's also not the worst. It's a really, it's probably one of the most wide open divisions we have in all of football. Like we don't know exactly what we're gonna get from uh, from the Jaguars this year. We're not exactly sure what we're going to get from uh, who else is in that division from uh, from the, the from the Texans now with their injuries. You know, we don't know what's gonna happen with Mariota and the Titan and the Titans. So I think there's a bunch of what ifs right now in that whole division, and anything can happen. But if that's gonna happen, you're gonna need Jacoby Brissett out there. He knows the offense. He knows the players. He's a serviceable backup, probably one of the best in the league. Man, I think you have to put him out there. Maybe we ran out of music bed there. Yeah, that doesn't happen That's because we often. added two side conversations into the hated or love. Yeah, yeah, added <laughs> some side conversation. I did keep track of some stuff and added some points on there just in case I wanted to use it as a tiebreaker, but we don't need it today. Um, Just so you know, Chad Kelly is Jim Kelly's um, nephew. Okay. Uh, well, that's cool. He was an all-American high school player. He tore it up in college, but had a Ole Miss. shoulder Ole issue, Miss. Ole Miss. and uh, also some off-the-field issues in uh, college, which had him tumble to the uh, last pick in the draft. He was Mr. Irrelevant, right? He was Mr. Irrelevant, and he actually had a lot of momentum to get playing time last year for the Broncos when Case Keenum was sucking, but at a Von Miller uh, Halloween party, wandered off. Wandered into some stranger's house. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Sat on their couch, and oh, this girl's yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, him. boyfriend had to come in and chase him out with a vacuum cleaner. He pulled a Ryan Rosillo. Yeah, yeah, and because of that, he got kicked off the team, and the Colts picked him up, and he's once again playing very well in the preseason. With that said, our winner today is Mike Lynch. Ugh, streak is over. Good yeah, job, that one. That one-game streak is over. It wasn't five it was, games. It was, Jesse, you were, tell you him. Were, you were out a week in that five weeks. You I were was out. not, but when I was here, I won. So you can't have a five-week stretch because you're out. Jesse, tell him. You're telling me you had a five-week stretch because I was out? No. You're just not going to say nothing, Jesse? You're just going to just leave me out I'm there? I'm staying out of this. Oh, moment. okay. That's well, all right. Well, coming up next, we'll figure it out. This is Football Sunday on The Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Nice to hear this music again. It's been a, been a little bit. Until you acknowledge, it's been a, a little while well, since I, you've won. Rashad, I've been I'm out. just saying. I'm just saying. I missed uh, like three shows in a month. It was I really, missed two? really, really brutal. You missed one. I missed two? Was it just one? You, you it was were in two. Vegas, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I had something else to do one day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fine. Um, I know. The last two months we've both been out. It's the summer. It's that's when at least we at this station are told to take vacation the most. Because you guys, once football season you guys starts, are like never here. Like, it, I, I benefited from one of y'all vacation. Like, man, you I got to co-host with Suit. Yeah. Absolutely. And Suit gave me a call. At first, like I said, I thought it was, I thought he texted the wrong person. It was like, I'm sorry. You, you're, you're probably looking for Luke. You know, Luke is over there in sales, man. So it's like, no, no, it's it's you. I wanted to want to see if you want to do it. It's like, oh, psst. thank you, Sue. Absolutely, I'll be there. Yeah, we're told to take vacation in the summer because well, once football season starts, 
you, know, you want you got to talk about the Ducks. You got to talk about the Beavs. Got to talk NFL. Taking vacations during the football season is a little bit tougher. So, you know, in the summer, that it means I have to sacrifice some Sunday shows, but it gives me a chance to go out and do some things, which is nice and fun. Wait a minute. What's this commercial? Stand up to cancer. Okay. You had the judge a cancer commercial there, Sean? No, I just didn't know what it was. I just saw a bunch you of people, this, and I can't you, hear anything. So You had this tone. What is this commercial? Like, you were about to start ripping all into it. All I saw was Matt Damon. Like, I was like, wait, what's Matt this for? Matt Damon. Yeah, was, man, all I saw was Jason Bourne. I was like, what, what's this for? So, you know what we haven't talked about and I want to ask you about? So, okay. this is one thing Suk and I did kind of talk about was the fact that uh, Major League Baseball would be playing one game at uh, the Field of Dreams. Yes. How do you feel about that being baseball guy? That's well, fantastic. See, well, I think well, it's, it's awesome, too. It's the Yankees, too. too, for me, which is interesting. It's but like Yankees White Sox? The Yankees White yeah. Sox. I mean, I'm all for kind of random games. Like they do, they do one at the Little League World Series. Not obviously at the Little League Field, but they, there is a regular stadium in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, where they do a game every year. They just did it last week, I think. And they're going to do the Field of Dreams one. They have some in Puerto Rico. They're, gonna, they're doing the London Series now. I'm all for taking because the baseball season is so long i'm all for taking random games or series here and there and putting them somewhere else just to create a cool event around I, i'm all for the the fictional you know sports arenas or whatever the case is being being used like i love the fact and they're ugly as hell but i like the pacers jerseys when they use the old hickory uh from uh, hoosiers, hoosiers yeah. you know what i'm saying i think that's cool the hoosiers not my favorite basketball movie at all very very divisive for being a classic sports movie it's very divisive yeah it's not a you know for you know, i'll go into it for other reasons but not a big fan of hoosiers you know however you know the fact that they would you know however. being in being in indiana you know they would kind of acknowledge the fact that it is a huge cult classic and it is a huge uh it does have a few huge following especially in that state let's do some hickory jerseys i'd love to see like a home run derby at the sandlot that would be awesome you know like and mind you, they don't have to, you know, they can move the fence back. It's a it's a set, so they can do whatever they want to it. You know what I mean? But it's a, something but it's cool a, like it's that. A, it's a backyard. How are you going to make that into a real baseball field? Man, easy, man. You're looking at this from all the wrong. Man, it's a it's a cornfield. How are they going to use that to make an well, actual baseball? But I, I know it's an actual, it's going to be an actual well, field, Well, they're actually right? building the field, yeah. yeah. What I think they should do, and this would be a really cool because it's just one game or one series, is don't put an outfield wall. Have the corn be the wall yeah that's good and i mean that creates kind of a bit of a high school baseball feel because i remember when i played not every park you played in had fences at the back and i remember one game we played i think it was against ridgewood just, just to make the story feel more fleshed out i don't know if you guys know where ridgewood is no idea but they they had no fence in left field and it just connected into backyards of homes and I remember one of our players on our team hit a ball that went, it just rolled forever because there was no fence and it was a big field and then it just went to someone's backyard and you got an inside the park home run on it. That'd be kind of cool if you had to like go run into the cornfield and try to yeah. find the ball and maybe the children of the corner hanging out and there being all creepy and there you cool. go. No, I'm, I'm, I think stuff like that would be super, super cool. You know, like an, a, an NBA game or, you know, dunk contest is held at the Rucker. You know, that would be super dope. So not necessarily anything like a, a, a whole professional game, but just some stuff would be kind of cool. Do you think the MLB has thought of this? They probably have. But if not, I'm going to throw this out there and maybe it gets picked up by somebody. Have every single player bring their dad to the ballpark and have a catch on the Field of Dreams. 
Wouldn't that, that would be, be a good. cool like pre-game ceremony where a bunch of grown men out there crying with their with their dads having a catch? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be that'd be pretty cool. Maybe a little feel the dreams moment, right? Yeah, I'd like it because you can go before this game. You could go there and have a catch. Like they let you go on that field and have a catch. I mean, it'd be cool if they did that as a, as an ode to the movie and yeah, yeah, give give a little love to the to the parents out there. Yeah, I like it. Pitch Although it that them. would also like anybody who doesn't have a father who's alive or with them anymore be kind of sad like they're just standing in the dugout yeah watching wishing Great, so that, could be, that could be terrible so uh, yeah but could be cool so we'll see cool. just an idea i had to float that out there pitch it to the uh to the commission thanks so much for listening everybody we got to get running here uh we are back into being football sunday every single week we are going to miss some shows for the seahawks i believe week two we're going to miss a show because they have a 10 a.m game what i know but uh We'll keep you up to date as that happens. I checked the schedule the other day. There's four 10 a.m. games this year, I think. So we'll let you know when those are coming. And uh, if not, we'll help you out with your fantasy football. We'll talk all the football in college that we can. And uh, we will get you all caught up on all things that need to be talked about in the football universe. Very, very excited. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Catch the podcast and the Leshaw Tires podcast on 1080thefan.com after the show. And we'll see you next week. This one's for Pat! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.